0: All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And let's do it. It's the patented Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling yeah. Uh, it's kind of a post Halloween joke. Jericho, I always suspected my wife was
1: a ghost. I guess I should have known when I saw her walking through the door.
0: Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> Might need a double rim shot for that one. So bad, it's good, as we expect nothing less or nothing more from Duff McKagan. Thanks to Duff for calling these in every single Friday for the last four years. He's got some unexpected time on his hands as the Guns N' Roses tour of Australia and New Zealand was postponed to next year due to COVID. Uh, GunsNRoses.com is the new dates and ticket info. And also, don't forget to go to Chris Cruise.com to sign up for the pre-sale booking list for the Chris Jericho Four Leaf Clover. The rock and Wrestling Rage are leaving March 14th to 18th, 2022, from Miami to Nassau. Sign up for the pre-sale list and get the best cabin possible. I've been working on the lineup for the last week, and it is going to be insane. So check that out, ChrisJerichoCruise.com. And don't forget, Fozzie Save the World Tour rolling back to the UK in November. Starting November 29th in Liverpool at the famous Cavern Club. That show is almost sold out, only about 20 tickets left. So if you want to get your tickets, go to Fozzerock.com for that. Manchester at Club Academy sold out. Newcastle at the Riverside, still tickets available. Glasgow at the Garage is sold out. Dublin at the Opium sold out. A few tickets left at the Limelight One in Belfast. Chester at the Live Rooms is sold out. Birmingham at the Mill, still tickets available. Bournemouth at the Fire Station, tickets still available. Swansea, Wales sold out. Nottingham sold out. The Rescue Rooms and, of course, London at the Academy. Islington is also sold out. Don't forget about our exclusive VIP meet and greets before every show. One of the best of the business. We do a mini set for you guys. private as autographs, hang out, the whole deal. So go to fozzyrock.com for all of that information. All right. Today on Talk is Jericho. We are tackling another big conspiracy theory story. One that I hadn't really heard before. We're talking about the Denver airport, all the mysteries surrounding it. I've been there more times than I can count and had a little bit of an idea of the conspiracy theories that are involving the Denver airport. We get right into it, though from Area 51 to NORAD to the Lizard People of the Apocalypse. One of Lance Storm's former students, Brady Roberts, and his podcast partner, Mike Howarun are here today to fill us in. They wrote and produced their own scripted podcast, A fictional story called Escaping Denver, inspired by the Denver Airport conspiracy theories. Brady and Mike did a deep dive into everything weird about the Denver Airport and its massive multi-story underground tunnel system that is not used anymore. The weird artwork around the compound, kind of Nazi-influenced, strange blue Mustang statue at the entrance, peculiar sightings in the tunnels, even the gargoyles that are spread out around the airport. They know, that gargoyles in the airport. Uh, tell us what they discovered about all of that, what they think it means, and how they really feel about the mysteries of the Denver airport. They'll explain all of this and how it inspired their fiction podcast, Escaping Denver, which you should check out after you finish listening to Talk is Jericho, available wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, the Denver airport conspiracy theory, right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. Always looking for cool ideas for the show and a mutual friend of, of mine, of ours, Lance Storm, reached out and said that Brady Roberts, one of his former students, had had an idea for some a project that he's been working on and uh, that's why we're here today. So you actually trained with Lance, Brady.
2: That's true, yeah. So I, I trained with Lance many years ago at the Storm Wrestling Academy. And a huge fan of of yours, Chris. So really cool to be on the show. I actually tweeted you years ago when my first movie came out and talked about how much of an inspiration you were uh, on me to sort of find life outside of wrestling as well. And uh, Mm -hmm. and I read your first book, A Lion's Tale, on my way to wrestle in Japan. So pretty cool to be on your podcast now.
0: I've been intrigued by for a while. Um, I've heard all stories about the Denver and such a random. Idea that you guys had to do this podcast, Escaping Denver, from Vancouver. So, we're actually a ways away from from Denver. But, how did this all start? And, how did you guys get involved with it?
1: (laughs) So, Brady has always been uh, a deep diver into these conspiracy theories. And for years, we've been working together on other projects, other writing projects. And he'd always been talking about these things. And it never really came into our other work. But then we uh, we decided to start doing a a podcast. He brought the Denver airport conspiracy to me. I'd never heard of it. And he was saying that this was the new Area 51 and we have to do something that takes place here. And then that started us down the rabbit hole.
2: I think it's like, it's such an interesting theory. And of course, we'll talk all about it in, in detail, but it's such a cool location for a movie or a TV show or something to take place. And I'd never seen anything that happened uh, you know, that took place within that that location.
0: Right. Well, the thing about Denver, the Denver Airport, and just to kind of explain a little bit of it, is that if you've ever been there, it's really kind of outside the city, a good, I don't know, 30 miles, 40 miles or so. And it really looks kind of like, I always kind of likened it to, to the Emerald City in the Wizard of Oz, in that it's this big, expansive airport. Um, you could tell they put a lot of, effort into the, into the design of it, these big kind of sails, Like you see it from a distance. It does look like something from game of Thrones. When you come onto the castle and you see this very grandiose, beautifully designed airport, basically in the middle of nowhere, it's kind of almost its own city as it is just by the, the location and the construction of it.
2: Yeah. And so it looks like it's, it's on 54 square miles, of land, which is absolutely massive. It's two times the size of the next largest airport in the US. So that's one of the big theories, of course, is what do they need all this space for? And of course, another thing is, is that they uh, dug up 110 million cubic yards of earth underneath the airport. Uh, They talk about how it's for this elaborate baggage system that didn't go quite as planned and stuff, but there's construction whistleblowers that have come out and said that there's five multi-story buildings underneath there and all these elaborate vast tunnels so we thought this would be such a cool location for a show to take place but it is really intriguing of like what do you need all this space for what are all these tunnels for like and when we talk about the murals and some of this other stuff that we'll talk about is like if there was one or two things that were kind of weird it would be like okay that's a little weird but there's like 15 or 20 things about the Denver airport that are real that are really strange. And it's like, okay, something's not adding up here.
0: So before we delve into that, your, your show escaping Denver isn't so much just dealing with conspiracies. It's almost like a scripted podcast, right? So explain a little bit of that because obviously my podcast is the exact opposite, just uh, interviews and guests and that sort of thing. Tell me a little bit about the scripted podcast and how that works.
1: Well, scripted is my comfort zone. Uh, Unscripted is where you can obviously tell I'm nervous and shaky. I like to control the words that people say. uh, And it felt like the perfect arena to set an intriguing story where people might have heard a little bit about it and we can kind of bring them into the tunnels with us. And it felt like the perfect place to kind of come up with a scripted podcast that kind of deals with these conspiracy theories.
2: Yeah, and it's kind of like the old radio plays back in the day. War of the Worlds or that kind of stuff. So we're bringing that back. We're not the first people to do this you know scripted podcasts are sort of coming back as a popular thing uh i'm gonna brag for a minute we are the number one sci-fi show on apple and we're in the we're the top 10 fiction shows on apple overall so we've had a lot of success with the show some of that's uh, obviously due to we have great partners at curious cast which is a chorus entertainment Uh, but the show revolves around two people that wake up in this underground tunnel testing facility They don't know what's going on. And they're sending these voice messages out to a narrator character uh, who receives them. And so it's kind of like a found footage, almost like a Blair Witch Project type found audio footage. Um, But the idea behind the show was to essentially create like a... I liken it to like a Marvel cinematic universe of conspiracy theories. So there's all these crazy conspiracy theories out there. I wanted to bring them together into one cohesive story. So if you're into... Denver, if you're into Roswell or Bermuda Triangle or all these crazy cool theories, um, linking this together into one story without giving any spoilers, there's lots of cool stuff coming up and I needed a creative genius like Mike Mm -hmm. to uh, bring that story together.
0: So are you guys kind of going through, and once again we'll delve all into this, but are you going through kind of all the different theories and then saying, okay, we're incorporating the real life conspiracy theories into our scripted world And kind of doing half educating people about what's going on and half just, you know, writing your own, your own way.
1: Well, Brady is the one who has done the deep dives. Thankfully he sends me only the cream of the crop. And so Mm. how the story's kind of been worked together is I, I haven't delved too deep into any of these conspiracies. So I'm never, we're never dealing with it exactly what people, the way people would think. Mm -hmm. I only have enough information to go off of, to kind of start tying these things together. Um, but it's kind of it was just a good opportunity to play with all these ridiculous ideas. And we created the character of uh, the narrator, the the person who's received all the messages, who's very much me, an outsider to this to this world mm-hmm. who is learning with the audience. Mm-hmm. So that narrator, you know, we, we have special episodes uh, coming out that it's the narrator actually talking to real experts and real authors, showing his research into this world kind of from my point of view as the outsider who really
2: wants to learn really wants to believe just needs something more to go off and that gives us a great opportunity to you know sprinkle in some exposition as well right so it's not just all these messages of people running through these tunnels uh being tested on or whatever's happening under there you've got the narrator to really explain the actual conspiracy theory and what's happening
0: do you actually write the whole thing out on a script or do you have a little bit of improv in there? Here's what we're going to talk about, bullet points, or is it like Joe says this and Dave says this and that sort of a thing?
2: It, it's just like an actual movie script. Gotcha. I mean, we, we've been producing film for many years together. We have a company in, in Vancouver called Rogue Panda Pictures. Uh, we produced another show on, on Amazon called Paper Champions, a wrestling sitcom with right, man, With
0: Paul Lazenby. Lazenby. Yep. Yeah,
2: very funny show. So we come from that background. So so Mike scripts, scripts everything out and, uh, you know, we play a little bit while we're in the studio recording with the actors um, but it is it is a scripted show that's great
0: well let's talk about the denver airport and all kind of the strange and interesting stories behind it and i don't know where you guys even want to start but um what let's get into it where did sure. this all begin so
2: denver had a different airport Stapleton in airport which is a functioning airport but it was quite old it was built i think in 1920 and it was very close to town so it was very loud and people were getting You know, annoyed, I think, as Denver grew. So in uh, 1980 to 1983, they started batting around the idea of building a new airport. It was supposed to open in 1993, but there was all sorts of delays. Uh, So ground was broken in 1989, supposed to open in 93. It ended up opening February 28th, 1995. So 16 months behind schedule at a cost of $4.8 billion, which today
0: would be 8.2 billion it was let me ask you a quick million. question brady is that yeah. like kind of a standard price for an airport it seems fairly expensive
2: uh, that's actually a great question i uh i don't know the standard okay. price of an, <laughs> of an airport but it does tell <laughs> rich but that the the, the 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 last point i'll make before mike you step in is is that they were two billion dollars over budget which today would be 3.4 billion Gotcha. to me that seems like a lot to go over budget again i don't know what the going rate of an airport is, but it seems crazy to me that it would be three and a half billion dollars over budget. Over budget.
0: Yeah. There's something fishy with that alone, right? Yeah.
1: Well, it's, it's a huge number to begin with. And it was at the time thought of as a very expensive airport before it went over budget. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it was already going to be this crown jewel of Colorado, this airport that at the time in the nineties, Colorado's airport was the 20th busiest. Mm -hmm. You know, no reason to be the biggest mm-hmm. airport in the nation Good when point. you're the 20th biggest. Now it's the fifth. Now mm-hmm. it's the fifth most used hub, but it's kind of one of those situations. If you build it, they will come. It's they had to build the airport in order to become that relevant.
0: And let me just say this, too, once again, for people that haven't been there. You're thinking Colorado and you're thinking the Rockies and the mountains and all that stuff. This is basically almost a prairie type of, a, of an atmosphere where it is almost like being in Manitoba or Saskatchewan or something. Uh, uh, there's really nothing around it. And it's fairly flat. There might be some rolling hills, but it really literally is in the middle of nowhere. All the grass around it is basically brown. It's just a very weird place um, when you think of all the airports. And obviously, I've been to all of them in America. The Denver Airport stands alone, even without all of these stories behind it, just from location and design convenience i guess
2: well and the fact that nothing else is around it and it's kind of in the middle of nowhere might make it the perfect location for like somewhere to hide some stuff or uh, (laughs) you know i mean it sounds like weird to say like oh we're going to hide the headquarters of the new world order underneath a giant you know airport that brings in over 50 million people a year or whatever it is like but if it's kind of in the middle of nowhere it's you're, you're hiding it in plain sight too, right? If you're you're right underneath this busy airport.
1: I've always, I've always had a problem with the argument that it's ludicrous to think that they would put something that important underneath such a public space. And I think Mm. it's the perfect place to hide it exactly (laughs) where you, you never, as a public, as the public, you don't have any control when you're in an airport, you relinquish that. So it's not like you can investigate your own theories and go deep diving. It's
2: the perfect place to, to
1: hide something that
2: could be great. Well, like I said, too, it's it's a it's a big connecting airport, obviously, you know, because it's so central too. so they say it was about 53 million people a year pass through the Denver airport. Mm-hmm. If you were using the type of technology to like scan people or that kind of stuff, like you could scan the whole country within a few uh if, if using that to hub to do that.
0: So what are some of the kind of like, you know, obviously we're talking about how expensive this is and talking about. So where do the weird stories start and and, and kind of go into what people started hearing and how this all started becoming a thing?
2: I think just one of the places we could start is just some of the murals and some of the the decoration there. So one of the first things you see when you head into the Denver airport is this giant blue Mustang statue uh, nicknamed Blucifer. So it's 32 feet tall. It's 9,000 pounds. It's giant blue fiberglass sculpture. Like I said, it's a blue Mustang horse, but it has bright red glowing illuminated eyes. So it looks just terrifying. Like this is just, I don't know why you would put this up here. So it was, when it was constructed in 2006, the artist, a piece fell off of a hoist at his studio, pinned him against a steel support beam, severed an artery in his leg, and he bled to death in his studio while he was building this. You're kidding sport. me! A true story. the The artist died in 2006. So this this horror. while
0: he was in the studio making this thing. Correct. He died while creating it.
2: Yeah. Piece fell off and, and crushed him. Severed an, an artery in his leg, and he and he died in the studio. That's that's the horse that's outside the Denver. Yeah, so then they that go
0: is... in the studio and pull out the horse and stick it up anyways. I no, guess they
1: finished it. They,
0: yeah.
2: it. It was pretty close
1: to finishing, I believe, at that point. Yeah. But yeah. And that just adds to the mystique. It's not just a, a terrifying sculpture in and of itself. It has this dark history, this this dark story that's also with it.
0: So what is the horse what is it supposed to represent?
1: I don't know. <laughs> uh, the the <laughs> theories all say it is uh one of the horsemen of the apocalypse. One of the four horsemen. They're saying this is the last one. It's got its glowing red eyes. It makes perfect sense that this is symbolism. Kind of the modern day of all ye enter. Uh, you know, what's that? What's oh goodness, I don't the even gates know. Gates of hell, all ye exactly. who enter
0: never come out again. Exactly. exactly. It's it, it, yeah.
1: it's kind of that modern feel. The artist who we can't ask anymore says that the red eyes were representative of his father who worked with neon lights, but it does feel like an oddly uh convenient thing to put in your, your terrifying statue. Is this weird? Well, no, the glowing eyes were for my dad, the rest of the scary sculpture that's for me, (laughs) but uh, the, the eyes they were for my dad. It just, it definitely feels very convenient.
0: So it's, it's a very kind of ominous way to enter the airport because this statue is outside. Basically one of the first things you see as you approach.
2: Exactly. And then uh, upon entering the airport, there's all sorts of very strange apocalyptic uh, artwork depicting kind of bio warfare and uh one world governments and stuff like that which is really creepy there's a sculpture of a devil popping out of a suitcase there is gargoyles throughout the airport which yeah, um, you know they is. say yeah they say that that's um that those are symbols of sort of like protecting like watching over you know luggage and like stuff like that but gargoyles to me are uh, this is a little ominous it, gargoyle it's a stretch to feel like gargoyles have a place in den
0: <laughs> i don't think we really need gargoyles to protect our baggage that's kind of a little bit uh, of a far-fetched one yeah so, so basically because you mentioned to the murals and there's some very kind of apocalyptic murals and in, in some of the you know the, the studies that i did and research that i did so w- overall there's just a lot of things that are very much out of place like you said in an airport between Blucifer, which makes me laugh because Brian Goertz, who was one of the head writers for WB for years, for a couple months, he just decided to dye his hair, not blue, but his black hair with blue t- tints in it. And uh, his nickname at the time was Blucifer. So wow. <laughs> you're thinking evil apocalyptic horse. I'm thinking of uh, Brian Goertz, a five foot five Jewish man. Who's a very funny writer. So, <laughs> uh, so between Blucifer and the gargoyles, And all of these kind of strange paintings on the wall. Uh, Once again, they kind of seem to be out of place when you're just in the mundane area of an airport.
2: It's weird. Um, Another thing, also, there's an airport dedication stone there, which this is a a big one. This is one of the biggest pieces of this whole Denver airport conspiracy. So the dedication stone has the Masonic Square, and it names the main funder of the airport as the New World Airport Commission. Hmm. If you research the New World Airport Commission, it does not appear to exist. So Hmm. that's also very strange. And that's right in the airport um, there as well. There's no history of this New World Airport Commission actually existing. It's people just kind of rule it out and say they were basically a
1: party planning committee. They were just a committee helping to get the airport funded and made. And they came up with that name independently. But it all feels very convenient. Again, when you pair it with the Freemason symbol. Mm-hmm. Uh that Masonic Square. And it's just there. And it they have a, a time capsule beneath it that were to open in ninety in 2094. 94, yeah. And so we'll see what's actually in it. They say it's a bunch of boring things, baseballs, tennis shoes, tacky Colorado mugs, but really we don't know what's in there. Why put a time capsule in the center of an airport? What is that significance? And why name your group uh the New World yeah. uh, Airport Commission?
0: Yeah, I mean, that is, especially the fact that it doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Like, you think you could look it up and find something, you know? I mean, this was the 90s. It wasn't the 1800s. You could probably find a MySpace page for it or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I just want to point something out, too. Um, I was just kind of glancing at something here. I'm talking about one of the murals that's on the wall. There's one of them called Children of the World that has a lot of Nazi imagery in it. And even includes a letter from a child who died at Auschwitz. Yeah. Once again, what are we talking about here at an airport?
1: Well, no. It's, the artist continues to say that these are symbols for kind of an ideal world, uh, working towards a, a war-free world and a world uh, free of eco uh, issues. But well, that's I not think, what I it think, feels like. It's not I what th- it's not what I get when I look at the mural. It feels like a an explanation that doesn't quite fit.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I think we're we're living in a world free of Nazis for the most part at this point. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, and the letter from the child who died—that's a little bit morbid. Um, but so, so what? So what do you think? Uh, obviously, when you're talking about the, this this new world uh, authority, airport authority, what um, what's the overall? I mean, is are we leading towards? You mentioned Freemasons. There's illuminati uh, references here what are all these symbols meaning to you guys after the research that you've done
1: well the thing the problem with the denver airport is it touches on so many competing conspiracy theories that shouldn't work in tandem right that's part of the reason why we loved it as a place to kind of the crossroads of crazy <laughs> it bring it all into one spot kind of in one hub but but a lot of these conspiracy theories don't work in tandem with one another you know there's one theory that it is government it is 100 percent U.S. government has made a facility to house the elites in -hmm. case of in case of war, which is great. But the New World Order uh, goes completely against that in an anti-government way of it's independent of any one government doing this facility. And it's and people talk about reptilians. The airport leans into The idea that there's reptilians in the tunnels and they put up construction signs when they're doing any project that says, you know, reptilians at work, caution. Really? Oh, they lean into it in a big way because people have had these blurry videos of in the tunnels. I saw this thing, this lizard thing. And then the airport will come back and say, actually, that was staff in a costume just trying to spook some people. (laughs) And everyone just tries to dismiss it. And we accept it because to accept the, the ridiculous is a very hard notion to accept that somebody is videotaping a reptilian figure in the tunnels is a difficult thing to digest so it's easy for us to accept whatever whatever rationale they give us that makes more sense but all of these competing theories they don't work into one tandem conspiracy theory there's what we got from it really in the end is they're hiding something
0: hmm.
1: something is more than just a little fishy about what is down there it's something that they're it's not it's not what they're saying it is Tunnels to move baggages don't require multiple five-story buildings underground.
0: Well, you mentioned the tunnels a little bit. Explain a little bit more about them. Describe exactly what we're dealing with here. It's a series of miles upon miles of these huge tunnels
1: that initially the airport said they built uh, to accommodate a mechanized uh, baggage handling system. Where that falls apart a little bit is that when they were building the airport, was it Delta Airlines wasn't good or Delta or United? I'm misspeaking here. It was United. United. United wasn't willing to move over to the new airport because of the fees. And they said, okay, if if we are going to move over, you've got to make a mechanized baggage handling, then we'll be willing to pay the fees. But the construction had already begun. The tunnels were already being dug. And so it's kind of the cart before the horse situation of, oh, that we built the tunnels to accommodate the baggage handling, but why were we building them to begin with? And it's miles upon miles of intersecting tunnels that go over the entire property. Mm-hmm. And apparently, based on these whistleblowers, go five stories beneath the ground.
0: But let's talk about this. If, if we have all of these underground tunnels, uh, th- these are not easy to build, you know, Like because uh, th- th- you're talking, you're saying miles and miles and miles. And once again, in some of the research that I've done, the architect who built them, when they asked exactly what are you doing with these? He basically said, I'm sworn to secrecy. You know, are there underground tunnels? Is there bomb shelters? And he's like, I'm sworn to secrecy. Who says that? Unless well, they also say
2: that it. during the construction of the tunnels, they would often use different crews of construction and then basically like put them on short-term contracts. So like, okay, you're going to build for the next little bit. And then we're letting all you guys go. And we're bringing in a new batch of construction workers. And then we're letting you guys go. Like they take all these contractors and then fire them. So that no one ever really had the whole picture of what was going on under there. You're only touching pieces of it. And uh, to my understanding, there's actually still construction going on there, um, even to this day. And again, it's 54 square miles of land, right? So this could be one of the main reasons why they went so over budget and over time was uh, having to build those those giant tunnels.
0: There's even reports that the tunnels lead all the way to, to NORAD. Yeah the 75 Um, miles away NORAD, which is ridiculous i mean come on you know what i mean i mean that's a little bit too much and i've been to norad and that's a whole other show that's a crazy place as well to where like you can actually see they took us in there it was a couple of us we had a show in colorado springs and it was christian and hurricane and Arn anderson and myself and we went into norad and you know it's the it takes half an hour to close the the big door because it's, I don't know, a quarter mile thick rock or whatever. And you go in there and you see a big giant kind of satellite radar and any type of earth uh, land to earth missile that's shot off any type of activity. They can see it all on the screen. Like it's a trip, man. Like you go in there you're like, what, what, this is what they're showing us. What else is actually going on in here? You know, so that is a very strange part of the country to begin with, uh, you know, kind of culminating in all these Denver airport stories.
2: Well, it makes sense as a kind of post-apocalyptic, you know, fallout shelter type area too, right? And one note that I found that was really interesting is in 2011, there was a doomsday comet called Elenin that was heading towards that could potentially have hit the earth. Wow. And where was... President Barack Obama, the day that that comet was passing the Earth, Denver, Colorado. Really? Yeah, true story. Wow. So I don't know. You tell me. These things are kind of adding up to something pretty weird.
0: So what? What are we? Who, who is kind of in charge of this? Is it Freemasons or, or Illuminati? Who's kind of behind all of this sort of stuff? My
1: honest opinion, as again this outsider coming into this world, is that we've had it all wrong, no matter what. If there is this one group that is in charge of everything, we don't know their name. They'd be too good about that. It's the same, same way that you know some countries, We the United States has the CIA, right? The, that's their spies. And we know, we know that MI6 is in Britain, but we don't know what the spies are for every country. Some countries are that good at keeping the name of their spies hidden. So I don't think we'd hear the name. I don't think it would be the Freemasons or the Illuminati. I think it's something different. I think it's something we don't know and something they've hidden from us. And I think they're toying with us with the murals and the statue, but kind of flaunting their power because this is all in such plain sight. Right. It is, it is, it's like a daytime robbery. It doesn't make (laughs) sense.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about kind of some of these strange Nazi correlations and connections. Another one of the theories is that the uh, runways are all shaped like swastikas. Is that correct?
2: That, that is one of the theories. Yeah. They say that it's because uh, you're able to kind of have planes coming out at each direction, like in a safe way. Um, when I look at it, I don't like, I, I guess I can see how people might see the swastika symbol in there. Um, I'm not so sure about that one, but I, I you know, I, I do see that theory out there.
0: Okay. So, um, I'm still kind of going on these lizard people that you were talking about. Is there a little bit more uh, more about that that you, you want to divulge?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, so Mike, do you want to talk about the actual lizard people theory? I mean, it's, well, it's, it's that at some point in humanity,
1: uh, we have been visited and now c- currently live these reptilians that are potentially in control of everything. Again, their own new world order uh, that the ultra elites are not, in fact, human. They are. Uh, of this shape-shifting lizard reptil- people, yes. right? <laughs> exactly, like like V. Yeah, it's and it's uh, like yeah, you yeah, kind yeah. of
2: see this stuff online. Like pretty much anyone who's a celebrity has probably been accused of being a. I mean, Chris, you are probably a reptilian shape-shifting. There's a good lizard person, <laughs> but you won't admit. I mean, you're not going to admit it on the show here, obviously. But we'll just, just assume look at my my eyes, so shapeshift- Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: well, you are blinking sideways. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's once again, I'm just really kind of trying to put my eyes and, and ears onto all this. Were the tunnels originally made for a baggage system? Like, what are the explanation for the tunnels in the first place? We know that now they're kind of abandoned and we don't really know what's in there. But what was the original theory for it?
1: They, they said it was for this... You know, first, you know, world class baggage handling system, Mm -hmm. which is also part of the why there was supposed to be so much secrecy. Is we've got this amazing state of the art baggage handling system. All the other airports are going to be jealous. That's what we're going to house here, and it was a nice way to kind of for them to have exposed electrical, exposed piping things, so they can you know do repairs on the fly. The problem is the the mechanics of the baggage system never quite worked right, even when they showcased it in ninety four. It was launching bags off the, off the rails Mm -hmm. while they were trying to showcase how state of the art it was. Uh, They had to give up on it in 2003. Yeah. They finally shut it down for good. So now they are officially, you know, for the last almost 20 years abandoned.
0: Which once again, I mean, it's not like they haven't had time to
1: repair this thing. Or build a new system or something better, or... It's a very convenient reason to say, well, there's no reason to look underground anymore, guys. All the work's done down
2: there. It seems like a lot of money to spend on a baggage system that didn't work either.
1: Well, it also seems like a lot of money to spend on an airport that people said wasn't necessary. Because as old as the other airport was, it was still sufficient. Uh, When My understanding is the Denver airport as it stands now has less gates than the original airport even though it is a much bigger airport.
0: Well, it's twice the size of Manhattan, which is another way to put it. So you guys listening can really figure out how big this thing is. The building itself
1: isn't necessarily so massive, but the compound, right. you know, they've got runways that can land any kind of plane. They can re- land planes that haven't been invented yet. You know, Their runways are 6,000 feet longer than their shortest runway is 6,000 feet longer than the longest runway of its previous Denver airport. It's it's the capacity for this space is so far beyond what is necessary, so far beyond what is necessary now. And it's definitely so far beyond what was necessary 25 years ago when it when it was opened.
0: Well, they're saying there's up to eight levels of underground facilities, eight levels go underground. Think about that.
1: Well, it's what you said about going into NORAD. If this is what they're willing to show us, if this is what they're willing to tell us, how much deeper does it go? So it was it was easy for us to take the leap when we read five stories underground, eight stories underground. then why couldn't it be a hundred? If they're telling us that it's five, there's definitely gonna be more. You know, this is what
2: they're willing to show what else are they hiding. And you certainly don't need five or eight levels uh, underground for a baggage system. Not for the twentieth busiest airport in the yeah. states. no.
0: so so once again, would this be some kind of a, uh, of an underground kind of bunker? If there was some sort of a war, like once again, talking about NORAD, uh, there is a whole underground city that even includes like a barbershop, there's a pharmacy. If, if something goes down, they said that, you know, the president would get flown to NORAD and they'd go underneath where they could live for three months if something goes, goes wrong topside. Are we thinking it's, it's this sort of a situation in Denver as well at the DIA?
1: the argument for it is that it makes sense with how far down they dug and it feels right. like the right thing to, that they would have done but because of norad's existence just you know 75 miles away yeah. that's why it doesn't feel like it can be government you know you're not going to put two of the same thing next to each other when one is in a granite mountain and one is below ground they're very yeah. different facilities uh it makes sense that it would be some sort of doomsday bunker that feels like the most believable outsider explanation is that if the government or some governing body was really behind all this that makes sense if they're if they're worried about the apocalypse if they're worried about the doomsday or the rise of Nazism apparently based on the murals mm. it makes sense that they're they would build some sort of base it's where we come into it as loving it and liking it to uh, the new area 51 instead yeah that, that the, the new area 51 the idea of just this is where they bring the cool stuff now You know, we've talked about Area 51 long enough. This is the real new spot. And it really, it was built in 95 and people have been, conspiracy theorists have been all over it since its origin, but it really didn't kind of reach the public eye until 2010. And that's when um, Jesse Ventura, he had that uh, Wicked Hmm. Conspiracy show and he did an expose on it. And that was most people's introduction to it it because it was hidden in plain sight for so long. Nobody had even thought about it until they kind of did that show. And then all of a sudden, people started to dig in their heels and start to try to tie these elements together into one cohesive story that doesn't quite work. Because, again, they're competing uh, conspiracy theories a lot of the time.
2: And I would say that's sort of the theory that we utilize in our show, Escaping Denver, is that this is more of a Area 51 government testing type of a facility. So, you know, whether it's alien wreckage or testing on humans or... These types of things, you know, maybe that makes more sense for what a five or eight story or hundred story underground uh, facility could right. be housing.
0: It's interesting. When we were in NORAD, I, I made a, a joke, kind of. I was like, so, you know, where are the aliens at? And no laughter from the uh, the soldiers or guards, or wherever they were that were taking us through. It was like, yeah, yeah we're not answering that question. And I was like, okay <laughs> let's move on uh did you guys see the the jesse the body uh con- conspiracy show
1: yes but not in 2010 <laughs> it yeah. was something i had to dig out in the so last year or two when we did were trying he to interview
0: anybody stuff. from there and get any nuggets at all not beyond what we addressed it's gotcha. really
1: just the same hey did you see about these murals things that have become commonplace now for us to talk mm-hmm. about he kind of hit them all for it's the first of crash time course. he hit the, it, the 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 plate and there's there's tiles throughout the airport that have words written in them that aren't English. And I guess most people's uh, xenophobia kicks in and they don't know what the word means. What does this mean? This must be a secret code. Most of them are Navajo Indian. Uh, uh, gotcha. They're Navajo words for traditional landscape spaces. And a couple of them are the last names of designers and architects, mm-hmm. but it's enough to, you know, it's enough of the unknown for us to think to say, you know, this is evidence clearly. I don't understand this. Why don't I understand it?
2: Well, and also because of national security, airports are notoriously difficult to access it's not like you could just show up with a camera crew and start wandering around exploring underneath the the airport because of um right moves around that
0: stuff let's talk about there's uh the entire airport that you mentioned before compound the whole compound is surrounded by a barbed wire fence and the barbed wire is angled inwards Almost like it's trying to, it would be keeping people in and not out.
2: That's really, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. That's actually actually hilarious because it really kind of plays into our story, which is these people trapped under the airport involved in this sort of government test.
0: Um, Yeah. I mean, that would seem, you know, once again, is this going to become a big giant uh, internment camp once the Illuminati start their global genocide based out of the headquarters of Denver Airport?
2: Yeah. Well, we we also really love, I watched the documentary on Bob Lazar, who was the, of course, scientist whistleblower uh, from Area 51, who's just a fascinating character. And Mm. so some of our story is kind of really based on uh, loosely that kind of mythology as well. And we have a character in our show who is a scientist, uh, who is a Bob Lazar type uh, sort of ally to our captives. So you know I really loved all of that you know he shows all of these drawings of this alien wreckage that he worked on supposedly in area 51 and stuff and he's got a very believable story and some of the story, some of the elements of his story have been corroborated right so he's he's a really believable character and, and some of that comes into our story as well.
0: did a little bit more uh, research on actually on the uh, uh, murals. Kind of more because one thing that that keeps popping up as we're talking and also too when you do look do a little bit of uh, delving into this is talking a lot about genocide and the apocalypse and kind of those murals are are kind of showing that uh, we we mentioned the 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 Nazi one but there's uh, all over the floor is A U A G which is the abbreviation for Australia antigen from the chemical uh, tablet which is a deadly toxin. That is evidently the Illuminati's weapon of choice to accomplish the genocide.
2: Wow. Well, and this is kind of what I was saying at the beginning too. Is like if there's a couple things that are weird, it's one thing. We've just listed off like fifty together of right. things that are weird about this airport. So,
0: well, and and then, and like I said, now now i I've, I've, I've as we've been talking, I found a really cool one. Here's another one: the Queen of England. Another alleged Illuminati has been secretly and anonymously buying up the property surrounding the airport.
2: Man.
1: See, the problem with something like that is somebody can research it and get a real answer out of it. Right, of course. But before that real answer is going to make it, there's going to be 12 amazingly written articles about how it's true. And the problem with these conspiracy theories is the people involved are so passionate. And so convincing as an outsider who truly does not want to believe this stuff. It's so easy for me to get pulled in. It's so compelling. These Bob
2: Lazar's it's, it's pretty great. Yeah. That's why it was the perfect space for a show for us to play in as well. Right.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. And and that's because like you said, there's so much like any type of conspiracy theory, as long as you commit to it, you know, I've had, you know, a lot of different theorists on here and, you know, they are very, very great guests because they're very committed to what they're saying. And whether you believe there's a flat earth or not, having somebody on that tells the story completely compelling and committed to it, you see both sides.
2: You well, know? one of the really fun things about doing this show and diving into this conspiracy theory has just been building this community Around the show and the conspiracy theory. So now there's there's an entire uh, subreddit dedicated to escaping Denver. We have, you know, Instagram and Twitter pages and stuff where people go on and actually talk about their theories of what's going on underneath the airport or what's going on in our show in the in the story. Uh, you mentioned Lance is a big fan of the show Lance Storm. Mm. Uh, I like to think that he kind of sits in a dark room by himself with his <laughs> headphones on, you know, in a notepad, reading an uh, egg and tur- egg white and turkey omelet as dry as humanly possible, and <laughs> writing his. You do uh, know Lance, <laughs> <laughs> writing his his uh, theories out uh, in between episodes. But yeah, it's cool. We're actually going to do a a little panel episode at the end of the first season of people who are not on the show discussing their theory. So it's cool to kind of build, there's a little community there around this whole theory.
0: There's a couple of other little things too that I wanted to mention. They were talking about what's kind of underneath in the area 51 and kind of the, the alien and, and reptilian and that sort of thing in 2007, I don't know if you guys have heard of this 14 commercial aircraft spontaneously shattered windshields as the presumed result of electromagnetic pulses
1: and again the airport always has an explanation for it they said well no it is cold weather weather mixed with weird wind you know that perfect <laughs> storm of cold weather and weird wind that we never get in colorado <laughs> you know it's they tried to explain it away and again an outsider like me will eat that up and i stopped questioning it and it's just what what does crack a windshield they they, they can birds can hit them at high speeds and right. they don't crack well,
0: exactly. So what would what, what would be the explanation, you know?
2: Well, the electromagnetic thing sounds like a, a very potential explanation. I mean, yeah, you imagine like these planes are flying in th- through incredibly cold temperatures at very high uh, altitudes and that's not cracking the windshield. But then they're at the airport and, the windsh- and all these windshields happen to, to crack at the same time. Like that's pretty fishy. In their defense, it was weird wind and it was very weird cold. Weird wind, right. Yes. So- weird wind. <laughs>
0: Crack, well, it's it's like the weather balloons. Have you guys ever seen a weather balloon?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and Chris, have you ever seen any sort of, uh, I guess, unidentified flying objects or anything in your lifetime? You've been all around the world. I,
0: I've yeah. had a couple interesting experiences. Have I ever actually seen, you know, the the disc with the flashing lights surrounding it? No, I have not.
2: Maybe you got to hang out at the Denver airport a little more. Well, <laughs> Yeah, there you go. It seems to be the hot spot.
0: You guys kind of be- have become, you know, the experts in the field on this. A, you mentioned that a lot of the fans of your show have theories as to what this could be. Uh, what are some of them? One of my
1: favorites was from a fan who wrote this lovely email about it being possibly an augmented reality. Is the theory that all of this for the show, not necessarily the airport itself, but everything that our... Our show is going through is not actually real that what's being housed underneath the airport is really an augmented reality if anything else so it's not necessarily miles upon miles of tunnels it's just enough tunnels to do the tests of this augmented reality and otherwise it's people just in this trance experiencing a different reality i thought that was really cool we've had some we've had some fans write some very in-depth theories one we won't tell them who got very close to our our five year arc <laughs> that we have oh, wow. for the show yeah. because we know exactly where the show's going. We know we know where it ends. We know the journey we take there. We know kind of what we touch on along the way. Uh, and so it is really fun to have these fans come in with given the information we have, we've given them what they kind of come up
2: with. And Chris, you mentioned talking to like flat earthers and stuff. Uh, another really popular conspiracy theory is the idea of a hollow earth. Uh, and this is something that we sort of touch on a little bit as well. Is like we talk about these this vast network of tunnels and this deep digging and how far does this underground structure go? Maybe they're digging into that hollow earth. That's another uh, cool conspiracy theory, too.
0: So you guys are, are you know, you're, you're entertainers and you're screenwriters and you've done a lot of different things. And now you're obviously right in the thick of this as, as you know, experts in the field of, of the Denver airport. Are you getting uh, lots of interesting correspondence from from different uh, people or different people looking for answers or telling you to lay off or anything like that?
1: We've had a number of emails from past staff at the airport. Interesting. Who yeah. are saying things like, thank you for tackling this. I knew there was something. I, I worked there for nine years and there was something about the tunnels that made me uncomfortable. I never saw anything, but I felt it or I heard things. So finally somebody is tackling it. And it was when the first when the podcast first came out, that was the bulk a lot of our initial emails were for people that from people that were clearly looking for content about Mm -hmm. this, waiting for it to kind of spring up. And it's, it's nice. We've had a few people address it as though it's not a fiction podcast, uh, Mm -hmm. as though we are very much telling the story of two actually trapped individuals. Mm -hmm. And uh, those are also fine and fun for me to respond to as well. The narrator responds to the emails
2: kind of keeps the world alive. Yeah, we haven't been visited by any Men in Black yet, or anything like that. But it's you know, as the show gets more popular, it's entirely possible. I actually was was away last week and ended up meeting uh, a lady that works at the Denver Airport. Funny hey. enough, uh, while I was on vacation, and she was she was super intrigued by the show and was you know going to bring it back to everyone at the airport and stuff. And um, so the the people there seem to be really passionate. There's we've had a couple news stories uh, on our show in the Denver market as well so it's actually quite popular our 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 main listenership is is actually in colorado and really that's cool main market so which has been cool because like i said like we're based in vancouver we're two canadian dudes writing this show yeah uh about this airport in another country and of course produced by a canadian company as well but it's uh really blown up in in colorado which is cool
0: i know somebody too that that works in in, at the denver airport i'm not sure if it's He's not a baggage handler, but it's a little bit higher up than that. And then says the same, like the tunnels are there. Um, no one really knows exactly what they're there for. So, you know, strange things are afoot at, at the Circle K. Uh, have you guys been to the the, the Denver airport?
2: We have not. We have see, not. That's crazy. So, yeah. So funny enough, we were actually supposed to do a research trip to the Denver airport. And then the pandemic happened and the roads right. were closed. Uh, so uh, Mike's girlfriend is a flight attendant, actually. So we were going to head to the Denver airport. And uh, of course, the, the pandemic uh, crushed those plans. But funny enough, the pandemic is kind of what really birthed this show as well, mm-hmm. because I had originally written a synopsis for this show uh, as a movie. I wanted to do it as a feature film Mm. Uh, and we had pitched it um, to, I think like lifetime as like a TV movie. And so um, anyway, then the pandemic happened and I was listening to a scripted podcast called blackout with Rami Malek, which I really like. And there's some other ones out there. Marvel has some now with Wolverine and stuff. And, and I was listening to that and I was thinking like, I wonder if there's any of our projects that we're currently pitching that we could do as an audio drama. Because another thing that's happening now is some of these audio dramas are being used almost as a pilot, as a test for, sure. for live action TV shows. Uh, and I think Escaping Denver would be a fantastic live action TV show. Uh, <laughs> but that's, you know, a conversation we're, we're hoping to have at some point. But the, that's when we started developing it. So then we recorded our own little teaser in a studio and used this two-minute teaser you know, Mike learned how to edit audio together on the fly because we're, we're traditionally live action film people. Sure. And so, and we used that to pitch it to a couple different places and got the show picked up through that. But because of the pandemic, we couldn't really shoot live action stuff at that time. And that's what birthed this audio drama is because we were able to produce it um, during the pandemic.
0: You mentioned Rami Malik. Do you use uh, quote unquote famous actors for your show or just voice actors in general?
2: So we actually act in the show. So I voice Noah as the main guy. Mike voices the actual narrator, which is great. Uh, And then we use, there's an actress named Greta Carew-Johns, who's amazing. She's from Australia. She's been in Supergirl and some other shows. So she voices our main female. And then we've had a couple of guest spots from some actors in Los Angeles and stuff as well. So, yeah, I mean, you know. I'm the most famous actor on the show and uh
1: whoa don't, just, put, me <laughs> down. don't put me down I was a background performer <laughs> in at least one of our projects so yeah.
0: well hey now now if you have a a, a, a another role for a, a strapping uh, young Canadian from Winnipeg give me a call exactly and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'd be happy to be involved last couple of things for you guys now that you've kind of looked into it and obviously we enjoy the fantastic side of it and the the kind of, you know, the the, the the wonder of it and what could it possibly be? What do you guys really think is the story of the Denver airport if you had to be pressed on it?
1: So full disclosure,
0: Brady and I
1: have never sat down and discussed what we really believe. So this will be me finding out Brady's opinion uh, simultaneously. It's, <laughs> it's
2: interesting because, you know, we talk about all these theories for the last little bit here and like some of them are so fantastical and, and out there. And I'm not sure that I... Believe all of these theories, of course, but I do think that there's something weird going on. Like I said, you know, President Obama being there when there's a doomsday comet heading towards the earth seems very strange to me. The fact that it went so over budget and and that kind of stuff seems really strange to me. It's a great question, Chris. And I don't know if I have the answer of what I really think. It's something that kind of bats around in my head all the time. There's something going on down there. And I don't know if we will ever find out. Oh, I'm determined to find out. Like, <laughs> uh, I will find out. Uh, if if the men in black don't visit
1: me, I will visit them. Uh, I like to approach this like science. I want to see it. I want to believe it. I want to test it. Uh, but I truly believe there's something worth testing down there. There's too much. There's too much smoke for there not to be fire. Yep. There has to yep. be something. And, and and I do in my heart of heart believe that if it is this giant governing body, I'm sure it's something we've never heard of. It's so far above us that they have us busy with the Illuminati mm-hmm. and the Freemasons and the Reptilians. You
2: guys busy yourselves while the real while the real adults do work. And I, I do really believe that we're not alone in this universe. And so I like to think that with Area 51, with Denver Airport, this kind of stuff like that may tie into uh, a little bit with that. I just watched a great documentary on Showtime UFOs that... Um, Uh, Bad Robot is J.J. Abrams. uh, He did uh, a new documentary. And they kind of dive into this stuff, all this alien wreckage and UFO sightings and stuff. And I just think that stuff is fascinating. And again, there's there's a lot of smoke there. So I think that that stuff may tie together. And that's why it was intriguing to tie these conspiracy theories together into this story. We even deal a lot with like cryptozoological characters, like mm. in our last episode we uh Sasquatch shows up uh, <laughs> and there's all sorts of different references to mermaids and Loch Ness monster and all these different creatures and um are they are they housing or testing this stuff under there are there are there biodomes? is there a hollow earth under there like all these things could potentially tie together into an interesting narrative
0: well, that's the beauty of it. You can start with the 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 Denver airport conspiracy and then spin it into you know whatever you want you know what i mean there's definitely a lot of legs there and i think it would make a, gr- a great tv series especially like you said with all those different variations of of the different you know supernatural stories and conspiracy stories and all that and also, and it's it's also,
2: also oh sorry. Uh, I sorry I was just just, it's great. also when we talk about the pandemic and all this stuff and what's the most popular topic in the world right now is government testing you know sure. everyone's sure so, for me, it's like our show, you know, that wasn't intentional and we don't, we're not dealing with like vaccines and stuff like that, but it is such a popular topic right now. And the fact that our storyline is all about this government test uh, or whatever's really happening, cause I'm not going to tell anyone, but mm-hmm. it's a really intriguing time. And I think that's part of the reason the show has become so popular also is just because people are so into that right now. It's such a hot topic.
0: Well, it's a great example too. And, and I did it, did it quite a bit during the lockdown is like, you could stay inside and complain, and and you know turn into a sourpuss, or you could become really creative and 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 do something, and that's what you guys did, which is, which is really great. Now you you have this whole really cool thing happening that probably wouldn't have happened if there wasn't a lockdown.
2: And, and when the lockdown, the pandemic happened, unfortunately, we were in the middle of like pitching several different tv shows to Mm -hmm. a couple different networks and we were having great meetings and things were going really well especially on one project and then like the pandemic (laughs) happened and they were like we're shutting down development and then in the middle of the pandemic a lot of the development people at the tv networks actually changed over so a lot of the momentum that we had built on some of our projects was like completely halted and so it was like okay well we can either sit here and cry that you know our shows are not going to get picked up now, or we can say like, "Oh, what can we do during the pandemic?" Oh, well, an audio drama sounds cool. That sounds fun. We can do that in our closet. You know, we'll build a studio right. or whatever. And like, it so it's, it, we just had to adapt to to the times. And I think that we we really made it work. And it's a testament to Mike's writing and the acting in the show, and of course the support that we have from our network that we're doing the show with and pushing it as well. We have ads on the radio here in Canada. We have ads on global. And um, so they've been really uh, good with uh, marketing the show too.
0: Well, and like I said too, my final statement on it is is I've been to the Denver airport many times, like I mentioned. And from the day one, I think I started going there probably in 97. I remember that we used to go there with WCW quite a bit. Always thought this airport is like, it's very different from the rest. And like you guys said, where there's smoke, there's fire. And is it reptilian, you know, hollow earth beings? Is it Illuminati preparing for the genocide? No, but like like I mentioned, I've been to NORAD. I've seen some stuff there that is very strange to the to the layman. And I think the Denver airport is that in that same vein. And that wouldn't surprise me if NORAD and DIA are related somehow. Um, is there a tunnel 75 miles? No, but NORAD is where the president goes if there's ever any type of nuclear threat or whatever. And I'm sure that the Denver airport is tied in with that somehow, something under the surface that, you know, we're not allowed to see unless we have security clearance, double a, you know, and, and then, you know, for those who need to know, no and the rest of us just throw your eyes on it.
2: Yeah, totally. Totally.
0: Last question for you, uh, Brady, what's your favorite Lance Storm story? Oh my God. <laughs> it's dry.
2: It's humanly Man. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's dry as humanly possible. Um, Man, that's a, great, that's a great question, actually. I've spent so many years with Lance. Now I'm struggling to come up with a great story. Uh, Lance did a cool cameo for us on Paper Champions, which is a lot of fun, but that's not a great Lance Storm story. Um, I will say that I, uh, I'm i also good friends with uh, the, the broski, Matt Cardona, who's probably in his bathtub with his action figures right now. Listening to <laughs> this. Uh, he, he would be happy to hear that Chris Jericho was my world champion in my action figure federation for many years so he you know matt cardano nice. would be happy to hear that um but lance Stormsport, is this when you were yeah. like a
0: kid or is this like a couple weeks ago yeah this, is, <laughs> <laughs>
2: this was many years ago but uh, <laughs> not to age you but this was many years ago uh, but yeah oh uh, man lance is lance is the best lance is like my my wrestling dad and lance has been like super supportive of every project that we've done and he's actually going to be appearing uh on our panel to discuss escaping denver season one Season finale comes out November 8th, cheap plug. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Lance will be on to discuss the whole season, and and he's been really supportive, so he's the best.
0: Well, dudes, congratulations on creating something very cool, and uh, I'm going to start listening to it now, uh, Escaping Denver. I can't wait to hear about it, and uh, sooner or later, we'll find out more about the Denver airport. That's the hope. One of these days. Thanks, Chris. If the maids aren't the lizard people coming to get me now. Oh, no, 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 no.
2: Yeah, we we won't tell anyone that you're a shape-shifting reptilian either. We'll keep that between us and the listeners of this
0: podcast. All right, fellas. Thanks, guys.
2: Thanks, Ben. Thanks a lot.